Taxes, Taxes and More Taxes. Monday, August 8, 2011 Charlie Reese's final column for the Orlando Sentinel 545 versus 330 million people, the Orlando Sentinel has given the American Enterprise Party rights to reprint Charlie's viral article, an ode to the American taxpayer by Charlie Reese. Politicians are the only people in the world who create problems and then campaign against them. Have you ever wondered, if both the Democrats and the Republicans are against deficits, why do we have deficits? Have you ever wondered, if all the politicians are against inflation and high taxes, why do we have inflation and high taxes? You and I don't propose a federal budget. The president does. You and I don't have the constitutional authority to vote on appropriations. The House of Representatives does. You and I don't write the tax code. Congress does. You and I don't set fiscal policy. Congress does. You and I don't control monetary policy. The Federal Reserve Bank does. 100 senators, 435 congressmen, one president and nine Supreme Court justices equates to 545 human beings out of the 330 million are directly, legally, morally, and individually responsible for the domestic problems that plague this country. I excluded the members of the Federal Reserve Board because that problem was created by the Congress. In 1913, Congress delegated its constitutional duty to provide a sound currency to a federally chartered, but private, central bank. I excluded all the special interests and lobbyists for a sound reason. They have no legal authority. They have no ability to coerce a senator, a congressman, or a president to do one cotton-picking thing. I don't care if they offer a politician $1 million in cash. The politician has the power to accept or reject it. No matter what the lobbyist promises, it is the legislator's responsibility to determine how he votes. Those 545 human beings spend much of their energy convincing you that what they did is not their fault. They cooperate in this common con regardless of party. What separates a politician from a normal human being is an excessive amount of gall. No normal human being would have the gall of a speaker who stood up and criticized the president for creating deficits. The president can only propose a budget. He cannot force the Congress to accept it. The Constitution, which is the supreme law of the land, gives sole responsibility to the House of Representatives for originating and approving appropriations and taxes. Who is the Speaker of the House? Nancy Pelosi. She and Charles Schumer, majority leader in the Senate, are the leaders of the majority party. She and fellow House members, not the President, can approve any budget they want. If the Senate approves it and the President vetoes it, they can pass it over his veto if they agree to. It seems inconceivable to me that a nation of 330 million cannot replace 545 people who stand convicted, by present facts, of incompetence and irresponsibility. I can't think of a single domestic problem that is not traceable directly to those 545 people. When you fully grasp the plain truth that 545 people exercise the power of the federal government, then it must follow that what exists is what they want to exist. If the tax code is unfair, it's because they want it unfair. If the budget is in the red, it's because they want it in the red. If the army and marines are in Iraq and Afghanistan, it's because they want them in Iraq and Afghanistan. If they do not receive Social Security but are an elite retirement plan not available to the people, it's because they want it that way. There are no unsolvable government problems. Do not let these 545 people shift the blame to bureaucrats, whom they hire and whose jobs they can abolish, to lobbyists, whose gifts and advice they can reject, to regulators, to whom they give the power to regulate and from whom they can take this power. Above all, do not let them con you into the belief that there exist disembodied mystical forces like the economy, inflation, or politics that prevent them from doing what they take an oath to do. Those 545 people, and they alone, are responsible. They, and they alone, have the power. They, and they alone, 
should be held accountable by the people, who are their bosses, provided the voters have the gumption to manage their own employees. We should vote all of them out of office not re-elect 90% of them and clean up their mess. What you do with this article now that you have read it is up to you. This might be funny if it weren't so true. Be sure to read all the way to the end. Obviously, we need government reform, not more taxes, because government has already taken the voters' livelihood and wasted it. Have you ever wondered, if all the politicians are against inflation and high taxes, why do we have inflation and high taxes? You and I don't propose a federal budget. The president does. You and I don't have the constitutional authority to vote on appropriations. The House of Representatives does. You and I don't write the tax code, Congress does. You and I don't set fiscal policy, Congress does. 100 senators, 435 congressmen, one president, and nine Supreme Court justices equates to 545 human beings. WHO, tax his land, tax his bed, tax the table, at which he's fed. Tax his tractor, tax his mule, teach him taxes are the rule. Tax his work, tax his pay, he works for peanuts anyway. Tax his cow, tax his goat, tax his pants, tax his coat. Tax his ties, tax his shirt, tax his work, tax his dirt. Tax his tobacco, tax his drink, tax him if he tries to think. Tax his cigars, tax his beers, if he cries, tax his tears. Tax his car, tax his gas, find other ways taxes to pass tax all he has then let him know that you won't be done till he has no dough. When he screams and hollers, then tax him some more, tax him till he's good and sore. Then tax his coffin, tax his grave, tax the sod in which he's laid, but these words upon his tomb taxes drove me to my doom, when he's gone, do not relax, it's time to apply the inheritance tax. Then the 50 state governors and their legislatures add their share to the insolvency of the green American enterprise. The middle class pays 95% of the taxes, not the elite or wealthy, as we are led to believe. Not the big media, big box and big technology corporations, following are the taxes enterprising Americans pot ease what big brother government squanders, 1. Accounts receivable tax, 2. Building permit tax, 3. CDL license tax, 4. Cigarette tax, 5. Corporate income tax, 6. Dog license tax, 7. Excise taxes, 8. Federal income tax, 9. Federal unemployment tax, FUTA, 10. Fishing license tax, 11. Food license tax, 12. Fuel permit tax, 13. Gasoline tax, currently 44.75 cents per gallon, 14. Gross receipts tax, 15. Hunting license tax, 16. Inheritance tax, 17. Inventory tax, 18. IRS interest charges, IRS penalties, tax on top of tax, 19. Liquor tax, 20. Luxury taxes, 21. Marriage license tax, 22. Medicare tax, 23. Personal property tax, 24. Property tax, 25. Real estate tax, 26. Service charge tax, 27. Social security tax, 28. Road usage tax, 29. Recreational vehicle tax, 30. Sales tax, 31. School tax, 32. State income tax, 33. State unemployment tax, SUDA, 34. Telephone federal excise tax, 35. Telephone federal universal service fee tax, 36. Telephone federal, state and local surcharge taxes, 37. Telephone minimum usage surcharge tax, 38. Telephone recurring and non-recurring charges tax, 39. Telephone state and local tax, 40. Telephone usage charge tax, 41. Utility taxes, 42. Vehicle license registration tax, 43. Vehicle sales tax, 
44. Watercraft registration tax, 45. Well, permit tax, 46. Workers' compensation tax. Still think this is funny? Not one of these taxes existed 100 years ago, and our nation was the most prosperous in the world. We had absolutely no national debt, had the largest middle class in the world, and mom stayed home to raise the kids. What in the heck happened? And you spell politicians? I hope this goes around the USA at least 545 times. You can help it get there. Charlie Reese's article did resonate around the world and became one of the most read in history. This ends Charlie Reese's final column for the Orlando Sentinel and begins the American Enterprise Party campaign for equal representation and or voting power to not just create problems but prevent them or solve them. For example, as proposed by the American Enterprise Parties in Volume 2 of the trilogy Replace Taxes, Taxes, and More Taxes with a Flat Reinvestment of Net Worth of All Americans, based on personal or corporate net worth, as defined by generally accepted accounting principles, known as a flat percentage of each American's share of GDP and debt, set by Congress each year to balance a gap budget and amortization of current and long-term debt. Not a wealth tax or flat income tax, not a tax at all, but a participation share of keeping America solvent, and great for the war on global trade imbalance and sustaining the dollar as the reserve, reference, currency, and number one status in the world. There, I solved it. I solved that issue with the between me, you, and the dishwasher. <laughs> isn't that what issues are? What, why, why isn't it a problem? Well, the problem was we're going to screw up this podcast. What do you think we should talk about, Sherry? Um, I had something. What do you think what it is? Huh? I had something I was going to ask. Well, think about it anyway. Okay, I'll think about it. I just, dang it. Well, what I want to talk about is uh, taxes. There's 46 different types of taxes that I have uh, listed. There could be more. There, There's certainly not less. They're at all levels of government, all levels of society, except those that claim they have no income. And it's not taxing income, even. It's taxing gross, um, adjusted gross income. What does that mean? Well, if you report all your income, and that's defined in thousands of pages of the IRS manual, which are the tax regulations, some 76,000 pages of them. And now we're going to have 87,000 more IRS agents enforcing it. (laughs) I call that uh, the Wizard of Oz Gestapo. (laughs) He's going to catch people cheating enough to he's going to pay for the Green New Deal and the infrastructure by grabbing more taxes, taxes, taxes. Oh, boy. And Elizabeth Warren, she wants to tax on the inferred value of a stock before it's sold. So if the stock's going up, you have to pay taxes on it, even though you haven't sold it, even though you don't have any cash to pay the taxes. That's what they conveniently, the progressives, call a wealth tax. They got to get from the haves, the extra, the ultra-haves, and give it to us some-haves and have-nots. Well, I'm part of the have-sums, and I don't see any of the help coming on that because we're 
paying a piece of the action, which is, again, it's 46 different ways of, of uh, getting money from Americans who avoid taxes. They look for ways to circumvent or find shelters or always it's a game. It's a game of, I call monopsony. Not monopoly, but not monopsony. What, what is monopsony? Do you want me to yeah, define it? Define. Monopsony <laughs> is, the, is the opposite of monopoly. Monopoly, I'm sure you've heard that, done that, played that. Uh, it's where certain properties are going to get more rent than others, or utilities, or these various properties around the board, and you try to acquire them, put houses and hotels on them, and always trying to get to Park Place or Boardwalk because they have the highest rents and the best place to be right before uh, go past go and collect $200. So that's monopoly. And in real terms, it's where a company like Microsoft controls the market on um, Windows, even though they swiped it from Xerox. Um it's where one company pretty much has a corner on the market. So they dictate the price and the quality and whatever. Well, we've got laws against that. It's uh, the uh, Justice Department attacking uh, monopolies. Monopolies are also where two or three or four companies uh, congregate or they're um, reorganized into one giant company, such as General Motors, that has the five different divisions for their different cars. Or you have uh, Facebook, because now it's it's the social media advertising company for the world. And uh, Instagram, which is, was originally supposed to be about photographs, uh, now is into advertising. TikTok, uh, uh, Reddit, Glow, uh, Google, Chrome, you name it, the social media network is now a giant, when it's all pulled together, monopsony. So now they're organized so they can control society, freedom of speech, uh, any political issue they can take a stand on, you know, get, get the wrong guy elected. Throw the other guy out um, because of propaganda. Um, TV, um, most Netflix, most all of our entertainment, which is now is very vulgar. Our culture has gone from God-fearing country to effing this and effing that. It's just unbelievable. The vulgarity and the violence in our society. Yeah, last night, the amount of times they used that word on that show. Yeah. In 20 minutes, they must have said it. Yeah. Well, no, you can't do it. 20 times. You can't do it on network TV because, Lord, that's, our children might hear that. Well, they hear it every day in school and use it. And actually, uh, on cable or uh, satellite... My God, you can hear, see, and get anything. So we have no cultural values anymore 
that are established, that were established by churches, or religious organizations. Now, you got, I got off a track, I'm sorry. But the taxes are funding all this. What do you mean? F- taxes are funding uh, a monopsony? Yeah, they're funding a monopsony that also has monopolies underneath it, which are Facebook, Microsoft, and collectively that's called a monopsony because they become the buyer of last resort, so they control everything in the marketplace. And they control society because they're controlling the media and they're controlling the the messages that come out and the so-called conspiracy theories, which may be real. But, oh, no, they'll squash those. They'll knock Trump off his, his uh, throne. Um, so taxes. How in the world can we fix it? Because you can get on TV, every Republican say we have too much taxes. We have too much government. But then they don't do anything about it. They just enlarge the, number, the government and enlarge the debt. And they're adding the debt into cash receipts to balance budgets in the federal government, in every state government, every county, every city. What do you mean? You mean they borrow money and they consider it to be tax-free? Yeah. Yeah, so we don't tax that. We tax the, indiv- tax the individuals and the corporations that are trying to provide enough gross domestic product, which are sales to the rest of the to our to our economy and the rest of the world and global trade, to be able to afford the products that they are that were producing. Now we're having those produced overseas. Well, why do we do that? Well, it's going to be cheaper. Well, you, you mean the things we now buy from China and Japan and South Korea and Mexico and all those places, it's cheaper? It's done cheaper, so we get it cheaper? Well, that was, that was the trade agreements, that, agreements that, that Clinton signed and Bush signed and Obama signed and Trump was trying to get rid of because they were all shifting our wealth to the suppliers. And if you want to know how much that is, go to the debt clock. But the imbalance of trade, we import a trillion dollars a year more than we export. And we don't control the pricing. We don't control the cost of goods sold. We don't control the quality. And we even pay freight on that to get it here, put it on the, and distribute it, putting on the trucks, trains, and airplanes, and trains, planes, and automobiles to get it to the wholesalers and to the retailer's shelf. And then they're displayed free of charge for the uh, foreign suppliers. And oh, by the way, they supply pharmaceuticals. We don't supply textiles anymore. Didn't didn't steal until Trump says he's going to lower the tax rate for corporations so they would come back so we could have trickle-down economics. And that was starting to bring business back here, but uh, it's not going to be the current administration doing in that. They're appeasing those suppliers and actually probably have a conflict of interest due to the Biden's business holdings and, and Hunter Biden's so-called influences.
But uh, back to taxes, 46 different taxes. The only thing they don't tax is your grave, but they tax the grave diggers, diggers that dig your grave. And this, div- this digging America's grave. Well, what in the world? We can't, what are taxes used for anyway? They're used for, in theory, paying the cost of government and the cost of um, police, teachers, firemen. What's wrong with that? Well, yeah, we need that. Uh, But they also pay um, the total employment on government payroll at all levels is 22 million people. 24 million, I guess it is now after the pandemic. And they were essential, of course. And they also got the stimulus check. So being essential, you need to work for the government. And probably, eventually, we all will. That's the way it is in China. You know, they all work for Xi Jinping and the CCP Inc., China's version of capitalism. And they call it Chinese socialism, where everybody keeps their mouth shut. They don't need a union. They don't need to go on strike. They need to just work. Now they're going to have a social security system because they're going to rise up and demand that they have equality. And they're going to find out in China that they're going to be like America. They'll have 13 different entitlements, such as food stamps, unemployment, workman's comp. Those are things that we pay and call taxes, are supplying that, the welfare roles. And yes, it would be good if we could take care of everyone the same. But when everyone is the same, we are equally poor. And right now, with the Green New Deal and all that BS, we're all going to be equally poor except the ones that are running it and the politicians that are going to enforce it. And is climate change real? Is global warming real? We're going to control Mother Nature and Father Time. Do you realize what a speck we are out here in the universe that's changing all the time and we have no control over the weather or the forest fires or the tornadoes or the hurricanes? Oh, yes, we caused them. Oh, I love that concept. No, you God-fearing people didn't cause that and we're not going to fix it in any time soon. So the Green New Deal's dead on arrival. It won't happen this century. Because we don't, to do this, we have to use fossil fuels. So it's a catch-22. Oh, we're going to do it without them, but we have to have them to go electric. Oh, we're going to have electric lawnmowers, electric, uh, well, I guess we do now, uh, electric planes, electric caterpillar equipment, uh, semi-trucks, trains. Hmm, that's quite a concept. I wonder if Elon Musk is going to provide all those for us since he invented the electric car, which is a farce. He, he, did, he, he bought Tesla through a pyramiding scheme to become the wealthiest man in the world. And I'm sure that he's smarter than the rest of us. But anyway, he can't be president because he's a foreign national unless that rule's changed. Taxes, taxes, taxes. Are we ever going to see... Uh, something else. Well, what else could you have? Well, you could have <clears throat> what's called an investment um, in, in uh, American enterprise. 
Uh, right now, uh, American Enterprise, the, the, the giant we call three branches of the government, and our governors are bankrupt. We don't record all of our obligations. In the budgeting process, they're treating borrowing as a, cash, a legitimate cash receipt to balance the budget. Someday you got to pay that off. What about cash flow? We don't have positive cash flow from our trade. Where are we going to get it? Well, just raise the taxes. Get out more agents to catch the cheaters. That's, I believe, stinking thinking. Because you're never going to catch everyone. And the point is, you will create the biggest revolution we've had since the American Revolution. If you start doing things that the control freaks are, are wanting to do now. And so we need to look at a different way to finance. First of all, we need to downsize government. The size is, is ridiculous. It is the biggest business in the world. You know, that payroll out, outruns the whole rest of the world. $1.9 trillion a year, including benefits, full paid pensions forever, and they live forever because there's no pressure. You know, a typical professor will get two, 300000 a year for the next 20 years. You know, th- these things and the college debt was all created by the escalation of, of tuitions in the colleges and universities because they wanted the money so they could build buildings and they could have football teams and they could have all of the, the things that a, a business has, but they're not for profit. We don't tax them. If you're going to tax everybody, fine. But you're not taxing everyone. You know, all the not-for-profits, all the, all the foundations that Gates gives to, to get rid of his taxes, tax, get his taxes down and Buffett, and all the rich people that have CPAs like me that are showing them how to avoid taxes. So who really pays to run America through this so-called tax system? Well, it's 200 million enterprising Americans, the little guys, the have-sums and the have-nots. Uh, oh, well, is that why they, in Russia they had a revolution? The proletariat or the Bolsheviks decided they'd had enough? And is that going to happen here? Well, I would call the 2020 riots an indication of what's going to happen. I mean, I wrote an article called it the BLM and Antifa Revolution because of the George Floyd deity, we're now experiencing crime rippling right through downtown cities and out into the suburbs. And yeah, everybody's getting themselves a gun so they can shoot someone if they get close to their property. It's the wild, wild west. So what can we do to fix it? We start looking at America's debt, as it really is. The books are cooked. The only place you can find out what America really owes is the usdebtclock.org. And then it reflects how we compare with other countries, how we are from state to state, by president by president. It's an amazing, amazing tool. And that's all it is. It's, just, it's estimates on the basis of past history. And if you, don't, if you ignore past history, you're going to fail. I mean, it's, it's a saying, but it also is a truism. So, yeah, the debt clock is showing that we're, we, have, we have $31 trillion in current debt, and we have $158 trillion in 
unrecorded long-term debt. So in accounting, the long-term debt needs to be on your, in your books, and you need to be amortizing it as you go along because you could never pay it that, by just ignoring it. But our books are a fraud. Our books are on the cash basis. They record, record what we bring in in taxes and what we borrow. That's the receipts. And then, then the disbursements are those things that we can afford to pay. But those obligations that we owe China $1.3 trillion, we owe Japan $1.2 trillion, we owe South Korea $800 million. When you add all that up, that's and we haven't put aside what the future is for Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, Obamacare. Uh, this is a, an insolvent, bankrupt concept. We're running this like a church. And churches, they have to have constant people giving them money. And they don't call it taxes. They call it contributions to the future and health of not-for-profits. Oh, they're so sanct, sanct, <laughs> sanctimonious. But I'm suggesting we do the same thing in, in our wealth community. And the wealth community and the haves, the have-sums, and the have-nots, we all have something that leads to a net worth. What is net worth? Is that wealth or is that poverty? What is net worth? Well, in the accounting books, I'm a CPA. It's established principles called generally accepted accounting principles. Every company in this country has to go on generally accepted accounting principles to pay taxes. Government's not going to allow you to pay to pay taxes on just what you you decide to to tell them that you that you took in this year and that what went out. No, they want to know what you got in receivables that's going to be coming in and they want to know what are the payables that you're going to have to pay in the future to determine net worth. Oh, so what? it's assets, current assets, and long-term assets, which would be our country and our farmlands and our, and our equipment and our big buildings and all that. That's $1.8 trillion, trillion minus our obligations, which include now not just what we decide to pay next year, but that's what we are obligated to pay over the next 20 years because we've made a commitment to, to people for their whole life. Pensions, Social Security, health care. You know, we should be putting money aside for that. Well, there's no money to put aside. You know, we had to borrow money just to cover our current payrolls and pay the 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 supply line, the the suppliers they got to be paid as we go along. Um, so you compare 118 trillion for the country to 158 trillion obligations. Oh well, we didn't record those, did we? No, we didn't. So what's the difference? It, well, it's about 40 trillion dollars underwater. We're underwater. Yeah, we're insolvent. Yeah, that's the definition of one step from bankruptcy. Because we don't have enough cash flow to even service our $31 trillion debt. And the Fed's going to increase the, the interest rates on that. And that will increase our, our interest, which is now $700 billion a year. 
it's going to sink the ship. Oh, you mean the Fed really would do that? Yeah, well, they're trying to save their banks. They don't want to run on banks. They're not here to to save America from inflation or deflation or stagnation or all of those terms. Oh, hell no. No, they're going to increase their, like, like they did in 2005 through 6, 7, and 8 and caused a depression. Oh, you mean the recession? No, I mean a depression. Because what it did is it took $31 trillion out of our pockets. The have-sums mostly and the have-nots not really because what it did is it lowered the value of our homes. We thought we had equity in our homes. No, it, in our house, it cut, cut half of the equity out of it. 401k plans, they all went down. The stock market crashed, so the stock investments weren't worth as, as much. What caused that? Because the Fed in, increased the, the discount rate after Greenspan retired and Bernanke, a, co- a Harvard College professor, came in with Paulson and Bush, who were idiots on, uh, on how this economy works, and they increased it by 500% in two years. That rippled right up into the prime rate to 8, 8, 8% and worldwide uh, uh, what's called the low bar, I can't think of the name of it, um, the worldwide interest rate uh, to 15 to 20%. So that rippled all the way through the world banking system, International Monetary Fund, into other countries. And we had countries going, Greece. Um, uh, we had countries that were bankrupt. We had, we put about, I don't know how many thousands of small banks out of business with this move. We put a lot of other small businesses out of, out of business. So in 2008, we're go- and we're going to have that again in 2020. 2022-2023, with them justifying that by saying it fixes inflation. No, increasing the cost of capital increases the cost of goods sold and the prices are driven up, and so it's a contributor to inflation. And so is government spending. A deficit, if they have to borrow the money and spend it, it puts more cash in, in, the, in, in the currency, the... the um, Currency in people's hands to buy more. Okay, the lake house, when you have too much money and we don't have enough supply, well, then that drives prices up. Well, in effect, really, this is all being created by our so-called professors, bankers, bureaucrats, and government. They don't know how to run a business. You think these people that are making the decisions throughout this, have ever been an entrepreneur, ever built built a business around the coffee table or the, the breakfast table, took the risk and, and went out there and invented something and created something that is creating our, our true gross domestic product and our gross national product uh, that we have to compete with other countries. They're trying to catch up with us because of the enterprise concept. Well, what is that versus an institutional concept? Because what we have is a giant institution being run by the preacher who is the president and he's now needing to increase contributions from the wealthy members in the church. And they're going to try to avoid that. And so, you know, 
he's going to be begging. That's where we are now with our economy as we're begging. Um, but what we will have to do is reorganize, cut out some payroll, maybe 10% a year, maybe up front even bigger than that starting out. We won't cut teachers. We won't cut police. We won't cut firemen. No. The bureaucracy, we, we don't know what these people do. We have agencies, 13 different agencies at the federal level that we also have at the state level. There's redundancy everywhere. And do we know who's accountable for each one of these agencies? Hell no. Mayorkas says he's, you know, he's not responsible for the border. You know, they avoid it through politics. And that's all done by the propaganda machine that allows that to happen. So what, what, what's your suggestion in your enterprise party? Is that we assess whatever percentage we need to, to raise the ship back on top of the water so it isn't sinking, is everybody with a net worth, and of course the wealthy will have big net worths, and we're not going to tax them on stock they haven't sold. But I'm telling you, unless they fix this, they better sell them now. Can they, can they charge on a... <clears throat> a percentage? Yeah, 5 to so 10. And everybody gets yeah. charged the same percent. It's a flat rate on net worth. Yeah. It's not on wealth. <clears throat> on your taxing wealth, you're taxing future cash. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. in generally accepted accounting principles, your assets are valued at what you paid for them uh, plus any additional... Uh, costs you incur compared to what you owe on those assets. Yes, you're going to book the long-term portion of that. The current portion, the current assets, the current liabilities, the current assets have to exceed the current liabilities or you don't have cash flow. You're in negative insolvency. That's where America is right now. Its current assets aren't enough to pay its current liabilities, so we add in the borrowing from our from our competitors and our enemies and add that all up and say, oh, well, we've balanced the budget. No, we're underwater. And we haven't even started amortizing the $158 trillion of unrecorded obligations because we want to hide those. Oh, you're one that's going to want to cut Medicare and Social Security, aren't you? no. No, I'm on Medicare and Social Security. No, those are not entitlements. Those are American savings accounts. We've convinced them with this insurance mentality that we're putting aside the money in a trust fund for you folks for your Social Security and your Medicare. Medicaid, we're going to have to figure out a different way to do that. We'll force the states to to do something about that, spend down, and you can't get it unless you sold all your assets. You know, it's that complicated. But no, though, uh, Medicare and Social Security are not entitlements. They need to be preserved because that was money that was withheld. Well, does that system really work? I mean, it's insurance concept. If we take the, the you, you know, if we get enough young people coming in that are healthy and, and then they're funding it, then this whole thing will balance out. No, it's not working out that way. As we had 77 million people born about the same time after World War II, they're called baby boomers, and they're now coming in demanding their Social Security, demanding their Medicare. 
where's that money going to come from? The healthy, the young people. Well, how are we going to get that? We're going to raise the taxes so we can fund them. Uh, Is that going to work? Hell no. You know, by 2046, supposedly Medicare and Social Security will not have enough money to pay their current bills. Well, what happened to the money? Well, they loaned it to Bush and Clinton and those administrations to, to do regime change or fight wars. You mean they, 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 these trust funds loaned the money to the government to do that? Yes, they did. It's called the General Fund Borrowing from Trust Funds. It's illegal. Why in the world didn't somebody take that to the Supreme Court? Because our presidents and our governors don't want that known. Because then we would have to be accountable for accrual basis accounting. Well, how, Jerry, how in the hell do you know this and we don't know it? Well, I had a project <coughs> in 1977 <coughs> in Springfield, Illinois, the capital of Illinois, under uh, uh, Governor Walker, that they wanted to convert to the accrual basis of accounting because they wanted to know how much the taxpayers owed on delinquent taxes and they want to be able to take that into current revenue and they didn't really think about the other side of it. If, we're, if they're going to go to generally accepted accounting principles, they have to record their obligations. And so I was a partner in the accounting firm there. We got the project. Two years, we went to the, to the governor with the proposal on how to do that and how to make, put it through the computer system. And at the end result, <laughs> of course, Illinois would have been bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Well, Governor Walker, when he understood it, said, ah, I don't think we'll do that. And they never have done that. And they are underwater by, I don't know, their pension fund is under, under underfunded by like, $100 billion or something like that for the teachers and the firemen and the policemen and whatever. But I have, I am somewhat of an expert on how this works. I, got a, I was with Arthur Anderson. They recruited me out of Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa, and they told me I was going to be a, a health care consultant and that I needed to specialize in it, and I need to be an expert, and that, that would be my career. Well, it pretty much has been my career. I've written, I think, now nine books on healthcare, and the trilogy, which is on the American Enterprise Party, uh, three, four, five political books, maybe 24 altogether. So, yes, income taxes don't work. You know... What taxes are added into this? Property taxes. Oh, they're taxing our our real estate and our property. Where does that go? Well, that's supposedly going to to fund education. Well, if you don't have properties like in the ghettos, they just have slum landlords. They certainly don't pay much in taxes. Then the schools are going to be bad. Yeah, that's what happens when you fund education with property taxes. Well, what, what, what should we fund it with? Well, if you're going to have taxes, it'd be sales taxes. The communities all are paying exorbitant sales taxes in, in Illinois and Chicago, 10, 12, who knows what percent of sales taxes. And so you've got sales taxes, yeah. 
And we've got property taxes? Yeah. And then you have income taxes. Yeah. Well, they say that the top 1% pays 90% of the taxes? Well, they don't even do that on income taxes. But if you add those three taxes together, each one is one-third, one-third in terms of the cash flow for America, excluding debt. Enterprising Americans are paying most of that, not the wealthy. In many cases, they don't pay much sales taxes. It goes through their company or... They don't pay much in property taxes because that's probably in a foundation or, you know, they got ways of avoiding it. Oh, well, then that, it isn't the truth that they pay most of the taxes and, and the poor, uh, they don't pay any taxes because they don't have any income. Well, why don't they have any income? It's because their schools are bad. Because the graduation rate is only 10 or 12 percent in the, in the ghettos. Well... What are they doing? Well, they're in gangs. They're on the streets selling drugs, prostitution, you name it. Any way to try to participate in the American dream. Is it working? No. That's where the revolutions start. Right there in the ghettos. And it's started. And then there'll be a revolution, and then there will be... Well, you say they're evolution, where evolution, revolution, then a revelation means... Something's got to change. You know, Jesus Christ may have to come down and fix it. Who knows? But we're headed for a revelation in the great American institution. The three branches are failing us. Our gridlock Congress is failing us. They all want power. And how are they getting it? Through fear. The pandemic a war, Putin might drop an a atomic bomb on New York City or a, a, a missile on Chicago. Or Why would he want to do that? He doesn't want graves. He wants our natural resources. He wants his, he wants his USSR back. And he'll take it if, he can't, if we don't give it to him or NATO doesn't give it to him or Europe or whatever. He's just another Hitler. He, he's using the same methods, fear, and military and threat of annihilation. Huh. You really think that these guys or or gals or whoever they are are going to annihilate the rest of the world and think they will then survive? No, there's a survival instinct in every human being. So it's a bluff. It's like Hitler bluffed England into thinking he wasn't going to take Czechoslovakia. <laughs> the biggest lie of ever. Next is Putin's lie is he's going to use nuclear weapons on us. Well, we have bigger nuclear weapons, and, and Trump's told him we have a bigger button than, they, than he does. So, come on. They could have been stopped. No, they're destroying an entire country's infrastructure. Why? Because they have more nuclear sites than anyone in Europe, providing a good share of the power, electrical power, for the whole European continent. Uh, it's not a continent, well, continent. And Russia is supplying the rest of it with their natural gas and their fossil fuel oils, which is generating their wealth for taking over Ukraine, a Crimea, Crimea. Um, Balkans, uh, Germany, that'll be a trick, um, 
Romania. Um, I think Europe has to wake up because and, and team up and, and stop him. He could have been stopped. They could have said Ukraine's a member of NATO and the NATO countries, how many there are, 30? Is he going to take them on? Hell no. It would have been over. A no-fly zone and a peace agreement would have been coming and he wouldn't have been able to cross into uh, Ukraine. That's my opinion. But that's the kind of leadership we need to have. And that's the kind of leadership that Trump was trying to represent. Am I a Trumpeter? Tier? No. No, I think he did. his policies, yes. His methods and his lack of humility and his tactics, no. We have to have some humanity, human, humanism and we have to have some diplomacy. I mean, I think I understand that. And am I going to run for president? No, I'm running on my treadmill at the age of 83. But my books are there, and I am looking to expand this whole concept to become idea, become an ideology, that we do need a third party. It has to be somewhat neutral, because right now we have Manchin, one person, and Cheney, another person over here in the, as a Republican, that are stopping things. And I read, I read, read an article by Ian Mitroff, who is probably way smarter than I am, but he writes articles, and he said what we need is we need somebody from the left and somebody from the right coming to the middle and starting a new party. Well, that's what my American Enterprise Party is. It's monetary capital and human capital, and then I was told, well, humans aren't capital. Yes, they are. If they work, they're capital. Monetary and human capital, we come together every day in every business. Every small business, big business, I don't, and you name it. And every church and every so-called fraternity, we work together. We have to have funding and we have to have work. And my motto when I was turning around businesses with my in the, in, in the nursing home business is that the staff, need you need to learn to earn. You need a career. You need to specialize in something, which is what I was taught by Arthur Anderson. And m m me, as an owner or, a, or, a man or administrator of this facility, I need your skill to build. And if, I, if we get that together, then we're going to be in that state at that time. They had a six-star system. I took over... Despicable nursing homes, they didn't know what a star was. Well, we earned the six stars by having goals and objectives and plan, a plan. That's where Trump failed us. It was all his, his thinking, but he didn't really have a five-year or ten-year plan. And he wasn't embracing others to come in and help him do that. And so he failed. Uh, will he will he be reelected? No, the Democrats are going to indict him, and so long as he's indicted, he can't run. Well, who's going to run? Well, probably Mike Pence, who refused to try to save him on the the election results. He's Brutus, and Trump is Caesar. That's in my book. I call it. The tale of two parties, et tu, Brute. What do we have now? I believe we have Pompey. Well, what did Pompey do in, in Rome? He dismantled it. What did, where did that, what happened there? Well, then Rome, 
Rome never rose again. And that's what we have now is, is, is an administration that's dismantling anything that could at least sustain this for a 300-year cycle, which is predicted by another book I read, the, the Changing New World Order, with America still number one, but l losing that status and ch China number two gaining on us in that status. And the thing that will change everything is, is that the America's reserve status of being the, 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 the um, tr currency that interprets all trade transactions will be taken over by the Chinese. They call it the renminbi or something like that. So when we lose our reserve status in the, in, in the world trade as the reserve currency, where they all have to do trade in, the, in terms of the uh, percentage of a dollar's value, and our dollar's value is going down so much that China can justify it by saying they've got a stronger currency. Our currency right now is very weak, and every time the Fed increases the discount rates or the interest rates, the value of our dollar goes down. And since 2000, it's gone from uh, 70 cents to 30 cents, something like that. So we're not going to hold on to the reserve status unless we do something not after the midterms, not after 2024, we need to start forming uh, the plan and the strategy now. And I have a podcast. I have the three books out here, the trilogy, volume one on why we have to do it. I just talked up to you about why and how to do that is how to reorganize under a plan of reorganization. Somebody's going to get a haircut. The bureaucrats are going to get a haircut. China's going to get one. Japan's going to get one. There's going to be a reduction of our debt some, some way or another mm -hmm. so we can balance our cash flow. And the third is, well, who's going to do this? Are you just planting a tree and hope it'll grow? Yeah, I guess. And it'll have to be enterprising Americans that step up because it's not going to be the wealthy. They're fine with where, where we are. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I suggest they have to reinvest their wealth, that's the system that we need to have. Taxes don't work. They'll avoid taxes. Yeah. You know, they that's why they have foundations. Goals. They're out, they're out uh, buying Chinese stock and their foundations and their 401k plans in, in the uh, uh, pension funds. They're all investing in Chinese companies. And, uh, and we need a hedge against that. We need to have a strategy where we control the trade. We had that control and gave it away. How do we get it back? Well, my strategy is, as we start telling them, they have to pay the freight. They have to pay the unloading of the ships. They'll be our ships. We'll, it's China's ships now. Yeah, they have the container ships, and the, it used to be a 3000 per container to ship. Now it's 30000 per container. Why? Because they control pricing, and we're paying it. We're, we're actually, it just makes our debt go up. We can't afford to pay $1.9 trillion in, in freight around the world. Come on, we stop that. And we, they're also going to have to adjust their pricing. Uh, we'll have to reduce the demand if we can't afford it. The, the whole tenets of laissez-faire enterprise, free market enterprise, have to be brought to bear. Their costs will go up. A lot of that will force the, the supply 
suppliers to come back here. You know, these are American ideas anyway. All they do is reverse engineer them, claim they made them better, increase the price, charge us shipping, and we lose money. So, so uh, we're losing a trillion dollars a year at this rate. doing a podcast on that. Well, that's what we're doing today is this podcast. We got 46 minutes in it. So I need to sum it up because taxes, taxes, taxes. Uh, how do I know it will work? Because I turn around businesses using this strategy. Uh, we didn't have, we had to get more investment. We had, yeah, we had to borrow money, but we were paying it back. The thing with America right now is they're borrowing money and not paying it mm-hmm. as we go. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And that's called a derivative bubble. The derivative bu- bubble the der- derivative bubble here in the United States is the, is the stock market. It is not the scorecard on how well we're doing. It's a speculation. Our Fed, which is printing up 300 years of currency during the pandemic, trying to bribe people to stay home, and they're still staying home. We've got to unfill jobs. And it's uh, our debt and our deficit spending. It's our government. It is not. Uh, it's an institution, three branches of, of government. And now we have a Supreme Court with three Catholics on it that's going to try to control that end of it, which I, I blame Trump for. I, I think that's not right. And a, am I for abortion or against abortion? I'm for people making their own decisions and, and accepting the consequences So I don't think you can make laws on religion and abortion because we'll never agree on them. We should have left Roe v. Wade alone, if anything. But I know that isn't going to make me real popular with Republicans. Well, this isn't for Republicans. This isn't for Democrats. This is for you, Americans. And it's about not racism, but humanism. And it's Americanism, not Marxism, communism, uh, fascism as as Biden was calling the Republicans. They just call each other names, uh, the, the, the McCoys and Hatfields, just so, you know, the people in the middle don't know what the hell's coming. So thanks for listening, Sherry. Uh, I dominated this as usual, but you ask me these questions all the time. Yeah, I, I just need the answers, so thank you. <laughs> well, you're a voter too. So uh, I hope you're going to start sharing this with someone and so I can start to have some followers and have somebody at least tells me or shows me why I'm wrong because I I would like to have questions I would like to have challenges and debates Uh, and and I'm studying this every day because I'm in retirement I call it but retirement and I have the time to do it and I am reading and I am studying and I've always done that had a great education in Iowa at Simpson College at Arthur Anderson, had my own businesses for 40 years, and uh, I've got a family of four children, grown children, 12, 10 grand, 12 grandchildren and 10 great-grandchildren, and more coming. So thank you for listening. Bye for now.